Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah, and it's just the two of us this week. No raker, sorry. Hey, geeks. Yeah, we couldn't get him to come on and talk about sex education. I'm pretty sure that would be an interesting perspective, but I don't think it's his show. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> he would complain about a lot. There, would, Yeah, there would be enough to complain about, I think. So, <laughs> That's because, you know, he probably... He deals with, you know, high school kids on a daily basis. Like, I don't want to talk about high school anymore. Well, and I don't want to talk about the subject matter that goes on in this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'd rather ignore that. Thanks. <laughs> so It's understandable. Yeah. So, look, you know, we um, we decided to do sex education because it's it's new. It, it just came out, uh, what, a little over a month ago. It was uh, January 10th. So, it's been about a month and a half. And um, I watched it, well, not straight away. I want to say I I must have watched it maybe uh, 10 days after it came out. Um, In fact, I was recommended it by uh, someone that I work with. I watched it all in, I think, two days um, on my first go around. I've watched it twice now. Yeah, I'm on my second round watching it too. It's it's just fantastic. And you catch something new every time. That's something I really love about tv shows and movies like if you watch it a second time and you start picking up on stuff you didn't pick up on the first time it makes me like it even more yeah that's true um with good tv shows there's a lot of layering so you see a lot of things that you didn't see the first time around so um i watched it and of course uh, i thought it was amazing and i i messaged you and i said you have got to watch this show <laughs> And I kept telling you, watch a show, watch a show, watch a show. Please do it. You're going to love it. Jillian Anderson's in it, and we know how much you love her. Yeah. And uh, and you watched it, and I think you watched, I think you watched the first episode, uh, and you you messaged me, and you were like, "I love this show. This is amazing." And and basically, the rest is history. And then in two days, it was I finished it. <laughs> and then you messaged me, you're like, "Please tell me there's a season two. I said, "Yes, actually, there is a season two. It's been renewed, and they're starting filming. Uh, I believe it's in March. So. You know, coming up here. So if they're filming in March, hopefully it comes out by December. I would hope. I I think yeah, I think so. Yeah. Definitely need it by the end of the year. <laughs> can't go longer than that. <laughs> You're like I can't wait that long. <laughs> yeah, it is so good, and I hope you get more than I think it was eight episodes. Ah, uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, if we can get more episodes too, that would just be great. I need it. I, I need it and more. Eight is just not enough. Like I understand, like the quality is so much higher in TV shows, but I feel like you have to have at least ten. Yeah. At least no, I, I feel that way. I agree. I understand. <laughs> um. All right. So let's let's talk about it here. Um. Let's start out with uh just the facts with the rundown. Uh, release date. Uh, actually, I was wrong. It was January fourteenth. Uh, January, I was wrong. Wrong, was it? January 10th. It was January 14th. 
Uh, January 14th of uh, 2019. It was written by Lori Nunn. It was directed by, well, various directors. Uh, <laughs> a runtime of six hours and 40 minutes. Cast. That's interesting. It's very cohesive, yet having several directors, it's surprising. Yeah, so uh, the cast is uh, Isa Butterfield, Gillian Anderson, and Emma Mackey. There are other people in the show as well. <laughs> just a few. Just a few. But just an ensemble. Ensemble. Yeah, a good one too, by the way. Yes, very. So um, before we get to uh, any, any our one-sentence review, uh, we'll do a plot synopsis here, which is uh, shy teenage outsider Otis has quite a bit to deal with. Not only is he a virgin, but his mom is a sex therapist who has a habit of sharing that knowledge with her son. When Maeve, a girl he has a crush on, suggests that he use his knowledge to help kids at school with their sex problems, what ends up as a lark turns into something of a calling as Otis finds himself helping many, even if his own sex problems remain. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, very accurate. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we probably should say right now, uh, you know, plot synopsis notwithstanding um because it's not really all that spoilery because it's like happens in the first episode but there will be spoilers a lot yeah so spoiler warning yeah all right so one sentence review for me is um while it's setting his present day, sex education feels like a John Hughes throwback to the 80s with frank conversations about sex, anxiety, and intimacy done in such a sensitive way that it makes you wish it had existed when you were a teenager. That's actually really well, like really well spoken. That's very accurate. Yes. <laughs> uh, my one sentence review is sex education is a very fresh, depthful, and intelligently funny with an ensemble of new faces that surprise us with their already well-crafted acting abilities. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Sarah, um, why don't you give me your broad thoughts on this show? I mean, we're not diving yet into the, the storyline <laughs> and all that stuff, uh, but just give me, you know, you, you just finished the, the series. Um, the screen has now faded to black. The credits come on. And what are you thinking? Uh, please be season two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But basically, like, like, I literally, when it ended, my, like, face was in my hands, just staring at my screen. Because it's so good. They end it very well. And very smartly, too. I won't get into it just yet. But, yeah. The way they've set everything up from episode to episode is incredibly smart. You know, they don't play into the cliches whatsoever. It's all very blunt and they don't bullshit or sugarcoat anything. And that's just fantastic. It's so fresh and just it's something new, a really breath of fresh air in TV. No, I definitely agree. Um as I was making my way through the show, with each episode that went by, I kept wondering, when are we going to see the big misstep? You know, when's it going to falter? When's it going to fall yeah. on its face? Because I, I expected at some point there was going to be a mistake. Somebody was going to suggest uh, a storyline that was going to uh, kind of go against the the grain, basically, from what the show had done at that point point you know say halfway through and it never happened i mean everybody had a storyline everyone had an arc for season one 
um, some more than others, of course, uh, but it felt like there was a an effort to make sure that everyone had enough time on screen that their arc would resonate properly with the audience and they would feel complete for season one. Obviously, if this is a show that's going to be on for multiple seasons, then yeah, that arc is going to stretch across the whole series. So this is, you know, ultimately um, a mini arc, but will be part of a bigger arc over the course of the, the show's run. But I thought that everybody had been done justice, um, which no, is true. not easy to do. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree with you. Like I felt, you know, everyone had their moments. I care about everyone. Like they, like almost every episode, there's different side characters that emerge because it is like, he's running a sex clinic and you're learning about these different couples, but you care about every one of them, even the ones you hate. Like for example, you know, the two outside of the abortion clinic, like you absolutely hate these people. But you can empathize with them. And that's a talent to actually like humanize people that we, you know, we wouldn't like, we don't agree with, or hopefully, you know, don't agree with. It's a real something really special because not everybody can do that. Yeah, you're right. Um, the show is really good about not judging people. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, which is um, to its credit. You know, it gives everybody humanity, even maybe characters that we wouldn't like, like you said. Yeah. Now, um, let's talk about really the setup for the show, which we kind of commented on with the synopsis. But if you look at sex education and we look at the whole storyline for the characters, what it boils down to basically is that Otis is this kid who in a lot of ways, has had a very upsetting childhood to yeah. a certain extent. And I'm not even talking about his mom. You know, as we make our way through the show, now, the first episode, we, we learn that, A, his mom is a sex therapist, and that she's quite open with him about it, but that he cannot masturbate. Yeah, he can't have intimacies or... Yeah, like masturbate or do anything by himself, which is, you know, that's a big mind block that he's dealing with. And he's something you have to definitely figure out. And you really like you want to like be able to talk to your mom because, hey, she's a sex therapist, but she's your mom. And that's really awkward. Well, it's one of those funny things where you have this mom who's incredibly open about sex, which is for most kids very difficult to talk to their parents yeah. about, which you know, it just is. And most, most kids don't have like a nice open, you know, relationship with their, with their parents where they talk about this stuff. So the fact that his mom is very knowledgeable in a lot of ways makes it worse because it's not like, okay, your parents might be knowledgeable to a certain extent, but not in the deeper aspects of, you know, human intimacy and things of that nature where, you know, his mom has kind of all this, this incredible knowledge as a therapist, somebody who can help people through all these problems. So you have to remember, though, that not only is that part of the problem, his mom and his father have split up 
since you know when he was a lot younger and you know otis uh in the lighter later portion of the series uh season one we see uh, a flashback where he sees his father you know being having an affair yeah having an affair basically he inadvertently reveals it to his mom because he's a little kid he doesn't know the not say anything um which eventually leads to this divorce this separation this divorce and it's this traumatic moment from his childhood which has informed who he is now in that he is afraid of you know this like intimacy with other people i mean even for himself i mean it's like there's this negative energy aspect to doing anything sexual it's so hard for him even even to himself like it's almost like seeing the negative aspects of you know sexual sexuality and his father and his mother in their own ways you know kind of both symbolizing that somewhat it's it's really caused him to not be able to embrace it in a positive way it comes with a stigma right from the start right from when he was a little kid all the way up to where he is now yeah his first you know introduction into you know sex is a negative one yes it it, he would probably as a child think he's like the reason he told his mother this and they divorced he caused that it was you know and it's hard like i know he probably like of course, understands that, you know, his father, of course, did something wrong. His father's a piece of shit. But, you know, the fact that he was the one that, you know, was the informer, I'm sure there's a lot of just weight on him that he has to come to terms with. Right. It's a very astute observation there that, you know, they have, you know, become this family that's split up and... He feels responsible for the destruction of his parents' marriage. And also he, you know, his mother's quite open about her own sex life as well. But her sex life is also a bit of a jaded sex life, too, because, you know, she is dates younger men who have mother issues. And, you know, it's like your typical older guy that takes, you know, sleeps with younger women like that's that's the way she is. And it's a defense mechanism. And I'm sure he understands that, too. And that divorce has made his mother a little jaded towards her own sex life, that she has to have this barrier up. Right. So she just engages in, you know, for her own sexual gratification. She engages in, you know, these one night stands kind of things, you know, um, with men who drop by, stay over. And it's like this revolving door, like Otis. It's it's like, it's so normal for him to just get up in the morning, see another guy. Oops, wrong bed, wrong place. I was looking for the bathroom. And it's just like Groundhog Day over and over and over. Yeah. And it's just, it's just with a different guy, you know, um, quite often. And, you know, again, it's also something that I think doesn't help him either because, he sees his mom engage in these one night stands and he knows deep down that these don't cause any real um emotional um I I'm trying to think what how I want to say it. Like it, it because she's not in an actual relationship that she's just doing these one night stands, 
kind of teaches him not to become um, you know emotionally intimate with anybody or expect anything subs- uh, substantive with the, the relationships like why try to date anybody you know like he's exposed to just this constant merry-go-round of guys that come in and out that uh, in a lot of ways it kind of informs on his own uh, view on relationships and how they're not really you know worth it ultimately yeah like you know what if that's you know the path he's destined to take you know he falls for somebody they get married she cheats on him and then he turns into somebody you know who dates younger women that have daddy issues like it just turns into like just following your parents footsteps because i mean like, no one wants to talk about it with education but you know that's pretty much what happened. we see like our parents lives and that's we end up falling in those kind of footsteps and if your mother's a sex therapist and you have intimate knowledge of her own sex life i'm sure he fears that he's going to fall into that pattern as well yeah exactly so yeah um, this this uh episode one you know kind of starts out giving us the groundwork right so through happenstance uh he ends up solving the uh, sexual problem of of one of the school bullies, if not the school bully, really. Yeah, truly. And, you know, it's done with uh, a girl named Maeve, who is someone that he obviously has a crush on. You know, he sees her all the time and kind of watches her from a distance. But she's like this, this kind of rebel outsider. Like she's, she's not part of the in crowd. Um, You know, People don't seem to want to be her friend, but she also puts up a wall herself, which doesn't exactly allow for a lot of, you know, friends or anything. Yeah, um, but anyway. she's like that scary cool chick that, yeah. you know, is part of no clique or anything like that, but just can walk into any situation she wants to and everyone just accepts that she's there. Right, because well, everyone's too afraid to tell her not to be there. Exactly. She'll um, probably get knifed if you tell her otherwise. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, Maeve and uh, Aza, as well as um, Eric, which is uh, Otis's best friend, they all end up helping this guy out. Um, and the character, Adam, that's what it was, Adam. It's Adam. Yeah. So they help him out. He, he took too much Viagra. And of course, thick too much Viagra, you might you might have to go to the hospital because you might have an erection that does not go down. Um, <laughs> poor Adam. <laughs> poor Adam. And um, so Otis helps him out, and Maeve gets this really great idea that hey, you know, there are people around that we've heard talking about their sex lives, things you know not working or um, emotional or intimate issues, and she feels like. You know, Otis has knowledge and he knows what he's talking about. So they come up with this plan that they're going to help the people around them with their sex problems in exchange for money. So they get to make some money and get to actually really help people at the same time. Yeah. And that's really the setup for the whole show for season one, um, where we see Otis and, and Maeve kind of working as a team and you know she collects the money he basically acts as the therapist and uh you know there's ups and downs throughout the season uh things that you know really threaten their their whole relationship 
uh, as a team. Um, and that is, of course, you know, the fact that A, you know, Otis has a crush on her and has for some time. And Maeve, you know, initially is kind of ambivalent about Otis, uh, but then kind of comes to realize that, you know, he's this, you know, sweet kid that she actually likes. Yeah, like he's certainly not her type, but he's a genuinely good person, you know, who's intelligent and can understands her. He likes the same things she does and understands like who she is. And, you know, slowly she'll find out that that's somebody she wants to keep around. Right. And they do a great job, I think, with developing their relationship, actually. Um, yeah, it's not too fast whatsoever, but it's not you know creeping along either. It's well-developed, well-timed. Right. And the, and the way they kind of keep them from getting together, of course, because you have to do that, is that uh, Maeve ends up getting into a relationship with um, a guy named Jackson in school. He's like the star athlete. He's a, he's a swimmer. And... Very pretty eyes, this guy. Really? Yes, yes. He's he's definitely a good-looking guy, um, mm-hmm. for sure. But one of the great things they did here is they created a character in Jackson who isn't an asshole. See, a lot of other shows would have just said, hey, we're going to have this jock-type guy who's going to somehow find a way to get Maeve to go out with him, but he's really just a big jerk, you know? And yeah. he's not. I mean, he really, really isn't. And... It's one of the best things about this show and, and the best things about season one is that everyone has some depth to them. Everyone, everyone has their life and problems and it all matters. Like, it's not just like, hey, he's the way that he is for, you know, no reason at all. We actually get to find out like why people are the way they are. And that's very intelligent writing that most TV shows don't take the time to actually do. Yeah, one of the things they do here, in a way, is uh, well, you never watched Lost, so um, I watched Lost. Oh, you did. That's right, you did. I keep forgetting. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I didn't watch the last season, but uh, I knew what happened anyway. I just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to end it here. Okay, all right. So um, they don't quite do this, but you know, a lot of the episodes in season one start out with a different character, so we do actually get to see Jackson's home life. What's going on with his life? What are the things he's dealing with? Um, they do that with Adam, right? They do that with, um, of course they do it with Otis. He's the main character. They do it with <laughs> Emma they, and they do it with, um, Maeve with her brother and Eric as well. Yes. So everyone gets the, the light kind of shown on their personal lives so that we can see that they aren't just a caricature, right? They're not just an archetype. Uh, and that's really important here because it is an ensemble. There are a decent amount of characters, but we all we also know the ones that really matter. And I feel like the show does a great job of uh, doing that. Yeah, and like even like the side side characters, like we don't uh, get. I know, a lot I know of who my favorite them, one is. What's that? I know who my favorite one is. Uh, it might be the same as mine. <laughs> Tell me. Is it Lily? Oh, I don't know the name. She's she's the one that draws the the penises, like the big inter- oh, intergalactic like sex. I love her, but no, okay. she's not my like. She's amazing though. My favorite like side side character is that woman in the abortion clinic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, that was really good. Yeah, actually, yeah, it was really small, but yeah, I thought she had a really great impact on Maeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah she did. I, oh my god, I love Lily. <laughs> 
Well, Lily is great because she is she is completely devoid of um, nuance of any kind. Um, No subtlety in her life. She just walks up and says, "Hey, you want to fuck?" Like, what? Yeah, you serious? Like like Eric, like she gets him into the swing van and the clarinet, like right off the bat, is just sexual right off the bat. Like Eric should add a big red flag there. I love, I love the when she, you know, goes over to Eric's. And he turns around to grab something, turns back around, and she's naked. She's like, hi. <laughs> I'm gay. Really? <laughs> right. Like, there's just nothing there. And, and you know, but they also take that character, and they, they, they take the time to show that, um, you know, she has her own issues as well. And, you know, she, she does try, of course, to sleep with otis who is at that point like totally up for it he's like fine let's just do this thing get it over with which doesn't work and he actually ends up uh i think what he passes out falls yeah yeah she has to get his mom it's like the saddest thing you've ever seen it is the saddest thing you've ever seen but you know one of the great things about her storyline is that she finally finds a guy at the end of the season who is like freaky as she is totally up for it and yet things don't quite go to plan in that it ends up being quite painful and not fun and she you know at this point has built up this whole thing in her head about what this is going to be like and then it's not like that at all yeah her body is just like not ready yeah and she's got to figure out why yeah and what she talks to otis about yeah so you know which Comes is great full circle yeah it, which is really great um yeah, so- oh my god, the the scene where she, the, when she first goes to um, Eric's house and they're watching the gay porn and the dad walks in and he's just dying and she comes back in his room and he's like, it wasn't him, I wanted to watch the ribbing and I'm just like, Jesus, just walk out. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so uncomfortable. There's nothing you could do to make this better, just go. <laughs> it's it's so bad, uh, boy. Um, Love it so much. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so... You know, we have Maeve and her character. Uh, she lives in this, um, I think it's basically the equivalent of a, of a trailer park over yeah. in America. It just um, doesn't have, like, fence or anything. No, it doesn't have any fence or anything. And she's there by herself. Her her mom, I believe, has left. Uh, she's a drug addict, yeah. so she's, like, in and out of her life. Right. And her brother is more of a stable presence generally, oh. but he's also been gone for for a few months at that point. So she's... This whole money thing has a point, you know. It it allows her to stay there to actually have a home. So yeah, it's not like survive. she's it's not like she's just taking this money and doing this whole you know sex therapist thing. It's just a way to make a bunch of money and go out and party hard or anything. I mean, it's literally about her having the ability to really survive, you know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just to you know live her life, feed herself. Have a roof over her head. Like, she's living an adult life, and she's 16, 17. Yeah. It's, that's hard. <laughs> and uh, so she has this relationship with Jackson, which is kind of this... First, it starts out as just like a sexual thing, right? They just sleep with each other, sleep with each other um, you know, and eventually she finds out that she's pregnant. Yeah, that's no fun. <laughs> no, it isn't. Not when you're 16. <laughs> no, it is not. And... You know, she goes to the abortion clinic. She gets the abortion, and it's it's done in just the right way. 
I think. You know, it's, it's not too in your face, but it doesn't distance you from it either. So you want to feel the impact of this decision she's making, that she's not making it lightly or anything like that. She, she knows this is the right thing to do, and she's going to be feeling the effects of it. And, and, Otis, and Otis is there. Yeah. He comes flowers. dressed up in a suit. He's in a suit. <laughs> it's amazing. Him in a suit with flowers. Like, what do you uh, get? Somebody's getting an abortion. <laughs> she, he, well, she didn't tell him what he was there. Or what, he didn't even know where he was going until he was he there. thought he was going on a date. <laughs> right. Poor Otis. Poor boy. Yeah, he just wants to, you know. But it, it's at the end of all this, this episode, that she, I think she suddenly begins to realize you know, the feelings because he puts, I think what, doesn't he give her his, his uh, sweater sweater that she, she puts on cause she's cold yeah. and um, she ends up keeping that sweater by the way. Definitely. So, well, it's, it's a woman thing. You don't give sweaters back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been there. So, yeah. um, okay. So, you know, but ultimately if we look at this, um, the show it's got a bunch of storylines for different characters but they all mesh together eric's is one that is very difficult he has a father yeah go ahead no it's it's a great thing to have because you know otis is off with mave and you know he's finding himself through her and the sex clinic and so this is like the first time i think eric's had to be like on his own he's not just otis's like gay friend he has to find you know what he enjoys on his own and that's new for him and so i think that's a really smart thing to do with his character like he's not just going to be the needy friend that's always running after his other friend that's got this new interest he is actually actively pursuing other things yeah and and i tell you what um i love the relationship between otis and uh, eric <laughs> it's everything it's so it's so completely like it's it's not awkward in any way. Like these these two have been friends for years and years and years, um, since I since they were little kids, you know. And so the fact that his his friend is is gay that just doesn't matter to him. Like I, I love when they they I can't remember the what they were supposed to go to. It's like some kind of concert or something. Hedwig and Hedwig, and so they had to dress up in uh, drag basically. Otis is a trooper, <laughs> and he 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 commits. I gotta tell you, he commits, which is commendable, and um, it's just it's great. I love their relationship. Like, it's just it's it's open and honest, and and these two are bros. They like in the best sense of that word, you know. Yeah, and especially like you know after they've gone through this whole fight and they make up at the dance. You know, they dance together and like. That's like really beautiful. I mean, you know, they, you've seen that with like, you know, two girlfriends will do that. But, you know, for a guy to openly dance with his gay friend, like, that's pretty awesome. It is. It, it tells you a lot about Otis. And, you know, I think if I had to pick one word to describe Otis, I would say empathy. Yeah. He's got oodles and oodles of it. I mean, if you grow up with your mom and she's a therapist and, you know, you, I mean, you've seen there's, there's, videos all over the place he's probably watched there's magazines his mom has probably talked to him a ridiculous like he has been in an environment where he has a lot of empathy for other people generally but when it comes to especially their sexuality or their sexual problems like it's it's nothing it's, it doesn't phase him like he he's not he doesn't judge 
at all. He never does. He he sees everybody as being unique and different and ha- have their problems, and that's okay. Like he's because he's heard yeah, everything. Basically, he's heard the weirdest of the weird, and he, you know people are just people, and you know some people are into different things. It doesn't make them, you know, terrible unless it's you know <laughs> unless you're into something that doesn't involve consent. You know, of course, there's the line, but people are into weird stuff. It just it's just what they like in sex. It doesn't mean they're different in any way. They're just people. Correct. Exactly. So. You know this whole uh, this whole storyline, though the ups and downs of their whole you know operation that they're kind of running here, and it eventually you know gets to a point where um, Maeve takes the fall for what the um, it's not the principal, but we he's the he would be the principal in America, um, the headmaster. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she thinks, you know, he thinks that Otis is dealing drugs when, in fact, you know, he's not, of course. But but Maeve's brother comes back into town. He's the one that's selling them. And so she takes the fall for Otis as a way of, you know. Um, you're just making sure he doesn't get, yeah. doesn't, you know, take the blame for anything that, you know, her family is involved in. And, of course, you know, for her, it's just like her she sees herself as unworthy and like nobody cares about me anyway. And why not get expelled? It, you know, my life is basically pointless. So, you know, even though Maeve is very, very smart, she has teachers that believe in her one in particular. And, you know, she's so intelligent that they think she could, you know, go off to college and really be something. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't yet believe it herself. Not really. Yeah, but that headmaster, he, Mr. Groff, Adam's father, is just the biggest pile of crap in the show. <laughs> he is the worst person in the world. Wow, really? That's that's pretty. Oh, he's pretty awful. Like, <laughs> yeah, he is bad. He is bad. <laughs> oh, he's such a nasty person. Like, no wonder Adam's the way he is. Like, it's first right there. Like, he is the he's the serial killer. <laughs> Well, that is who he is. Like his wife is just devoid of any emotions. She just sits by the TV and watches it all day. And that's all she does. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I think it's you know something where I think it's not. I think he's bad, but I I understand that the cyclical nature of what's going on here, and that you know, Adam is at least partially a product of his father raising him the way that he did. But what really is difficult is that Adam is, you know, closeted and doesn't understand his own feelings. And I think that leads him or has led him to lash out as much as he does in the show. And obviously this has been going on for a while. So I think the disconnect between he and his father is partially because of his father. There's no doubt about it. The other part I don't really think has anything to do with his father, but he takes Adam takes that anger out on his father Maybe it to such an extreme way, but it's because he's compensating for the fact that there's this this issue he's not dealing with, which is his own sexuality. And so it's not – I don't fully blame his father as being the worst. I understand like – I can almost see to an extent like his father saying like he didn't used to be this bad and now he's been this way for the last couple of years and 
it's it's just like it gets worse and worse because Adam doesn't know how to deal with what's really going on inside of him, so he lashes out, which of course makes his father lash back at him, which then it's just this lash back at him, lash back at him, just this constant butting of heads. I don't think it's as simple as just his father's the worst. He's definitely a guy who needs to learn how to communicate <laughs> uh, better and, um, you know, maybe work on doing things a little differently with his son. But I also see how having someone like Adam who does buck authority a lot and does a lot of kind of shitty stuff generally um, would be difficult, especially when you are the headmaster of a school. I hope season two starts off with him getting hit by a bus. <laughs> okay, well, I've, I've, I've obviously I have I have uh, gotten through to you, <laughs> so uh, I am pr- I'm proud of that. My empathy is um, not as deep as Otis. <laughs> apparently, I'm apparently I'm the Otis in this uh, <laughs> duo here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I would have agreed with you up until the point where he made i can't remember what exactly happened but he made that deal with Maeve to find out more information but then just went back on his word and wasn't gonna let her back in school like Um, fuck him (laughs) that is just some next level psychopathy yeah i mean that is is pretty pretty shitty so (laughs) and what kind of weirdo just dances in the halls before the kids show up. So, like, that's a crazy person right there. Ah, uh, that's someone who's reveling in the fact that there's no kids there at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah. It was just all kinds of wrong. <laughs> okay, all kinds of wrong. But, you know, I guess we'll probably get more about, like, who knows what's going to happen in season two, because Adam's, like, he shipped Adam off to military school. Like, if we don't have an Adam in season two, I'm going to be very disappointed. I think they're going to find a way of bringing him back. Um, <laughs> Maybe he gets kicked out of military school. <laughs> he could. It's, it's very well possible. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> or he may he may leave and come home, like, just leave and come home and say, I'm not going back. And, and kind of make some deal with his father, you know. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he'll be back. Um, you know, we leave the show. At the end of the season, the characters are in different places. So Otis has been um, kind of flirting with this other girl, kind of, too. Because you have to remember something. You know, Otis is totally, you know, got a crush or slash, you know, in love with, with Maeve. And unfortunately, you know, he's also had to watch his or as Maeve has been dating, you know, this uh, this Jackson. And so he like unfortunately ended up helping him, but didn't mean to. Right. So he was trying to like not help him, but ended up helping him accidentally. Um, But the thing is, you know, it led Otis to say, "Okay, look, I mean, Maeve is with this guy. I can't, you know, can't do anything about it. So, um, you know, and then this girl meets him it's the daughter of the plumber that goes to their house <laughs> like every day <laughs> and and this guy who uh, otis's mom seems to be you know really really attracted to and what starts out is like this just pure sexual thing between the two of them uh, eventually you know it appears like it's going to become more it could become more 
and so Otis has been, you know, flirting with his daughter, and that leads them to get into a relationship, which we see at the end of the season, was they they kiss. Maeve, you know, leaves her the her home to come and tell Otis how she feels, and then she stumbles upon Otis kissing. Uh, I can't think of the character's name at the moment, but um, you know, so. Trying to think what it's yeah. <laughs> I can't think of her name right now. But anyway, um the point is, you know Oh, it's Ola. Yeah, oh that's it. Yeah, Ola. It was I knew it was an O. I was like in my head, well was it Olga? I was close to that. <laughs> so so that's kind of how their relationship sits at the moment. Um obviously we know that uh Otis and, and Maeve are kind of Starcrossed lovers, kind of thing. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully without the death, uh, like in Romeo and Juliet. So, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. I mean, yeah, I think it's really smart to have him with Ola, and to have them, you know, have that, you know, fight and to make up and at the very end, because, I mean, you don't want to end season one with him, you know, getting to be with me because. A, you know, it's not good storytelling. B, he's definitely not ready to be with Maeve. You know, he he really does need, you know, that first girlfriend, the one he can be awkward with. It's, you know, it's someone you're not going to be with forever, but it's the person you're going to have like, your first experiences with. But Maeve is the person he's meant to be with long term. So we need to have a first girlfriend. Hey, are you Are you putting money on that? <laughs> yeah <laughs> if that doesn't happen I'm pretty sure I would be like what have I been watching <laughs> like, what have we been building towards uh, so you're yeah. basically saying it's, it's them or bust oh god yeah <laughs> okay at least we know what your priorities are in terms of this right? show um, all in them okay well no pressure so alright so let's let's give our, our script grade here um, scripts I guess well, uh, plural for uh, for this show. Um, I gave it a ninety three. Honestly, yeah, um, <laughs> it definitely deserves it. I I felt like you know, like I said, there was no real misstep for me in season one. Um, I think it's smart. I, I think that the show is incredibly intelligent in the way in which, and we didn't really even talked about it yet. You know, the the ways in which it's wiser. I think about human sexuality and teenagers and the empathy that exists in this show like it's not just that otis doesn't judge them it's just that the show itself doesn't judge the the teenagers you know either and it's um it's sweet it's heartfelt but it's never overly sentimental which i think is to its credit honestly um it's not easy i think to to really do that in just the right way, it, it's something that is a calculated decision, and it's like a alchemy, really. Um, uh, one thing I will say is before we, you know, finish doing our grades here is that they they did bring on in I thought it was an, an intimacy, um, coordinator. I think is what they call. I them. think you legally have to now. I'm not sure what it's like. I don't know. I think they filmed this in England, but I know in the States you have to, if there's a lot of like sex scenes, especially with like younger actors, there has to be like somebody there on the sidelines to basically moderate what's happening. Well, um, I think the thing is, um, 
they wanted to consult with somebody that could tell them how can we do this in the best way, the the most proper way to do this, you know, and in, in that we want to present the situation, we want to do it in a positive way, not a negative way. Yeah. So to me, like they did a great job with presenting problems for Otis, you know, bringing characters that were having issues that felt realistic and Otis confronting those situations and helping them as best he can, he could. And I think it's fantastic. It's just, um, you know, a great way to make sure that the message you're trying to send is, is a good one, a positive one. Yes. And not, I mean, nothing about this is ever shaming sex. And, you know, as long as you keep that message throughout, that's important. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, what is your grade for the show? Uh, for script, I gave it a 94. Okay. All right. That definitely is a good one. Yeah. Um, I think it definitely deserves it. What is the, how good do you think the acting is? I mean, holy crap. <laughs> like, the acting is phenomenal. I mean, when you have, you know, a seasoned actor like Jillian Anderson, and you have the people around her that are I mean, not as well seasoned actors still just performing their asses off and doing so incredibly well. I mean, most of these people, this is their first role or one of their first roles, and you can't tell. Everyone is really talented. And, I mean, they do a really good job. It's surprising. Like, you don't notice it. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, nobody really nobody really gives a wrong uh, – or takes a wrong step in terms of acting here. I think everyone is fantastic. It's well acted. It's um, even the emotional scenes really resonate with me with actors that I don't think have had much in the way of um, experience, you know, in acting. Yeah, like Maeve. I mean, this is one of her first roles, if not her first. I think it's her I think second. She did role. like a TV movie or something, and that's yeah. it. So this that's amazing. Yeah. She is just phenomenal. I mean, especially in the third episode where she goes to the abortion clinic. I mean. Like that just hits you in the feet. That and even dealing with um, Jackson. Yep. Like she's just man. She kicks ass. <laughs> she is a phenomenal actress. <laughs> I, I I I figured you would be a fan. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she's awesome. So, what's your grade for the acting? Ninety-eight. Wow, really? Like Damn. I give that because, especially because these are new actors, and I can't tell that they're new actors. You know they did everything amazingly there. I can't fault any of the acting. I, like I tried and maybe you could go to the sub characters, like really sub characters, but, but even them, I, I don't think they're, they're bad either. They're exactly. Like I can't even. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all good. They're all great. I mean, Asa Butterfield is fantastic. He's the perfect selection for, uh, Otis. Um, and I mean, this guy, this kid, he, more than once, this actor, like, he's got to be in his early 20s, but he has to pretend to jerk off to the camera more than once in this show. That is acting, because I can't imagine most people could do that 
at all. That is uncomfortable. That is just very intimate. You're just staring dead in a camera and you have to have emotion while doing this. I mean, that is hella acting. <laughs> it's definitely on a different level. Very much so. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, they're all great. The whole the whole uh, cast is phenomenal from top to bottom. So let's move on and and talk about um, yeah here. Oh, uh, directing. That's the next. Thing. Well, what's your uh, acting oh, grade? Oh, oh, sorry, mine is a ninety-four. Oh yeah, yeah. So right now, our uh, the freaking geeks uh, script grade is a ninety-three, and the script or the uh, acting grade is a ninety-six. Deserved. <laughs> so, all right. So let's move on to the uh, directing. So for me, um, you know, the show I think is is pretty well directed. Uh, I think it looks nice. I think it's uh, certainly competently directed. It's also a show that doesn't need anything flashy, though. Like some shows, you can get away with trying to do something a little more creative in terms of the style, but this isn't one of them. So I mean, you can say that that might be a, uh, a detriment or not. Um, for me personally, I felt like the style fit exactly. Uh, for what this show is about. So I personally think that uh, you really can't ask for more than the style and, and the, the direction that we got. I mean, I think that it's well-framed. It's uh, the shot selection. I think is good. Um, it's just a well-directed show. What do you think? Yeah. And the fact that they had, you know, few different directors, everything feels super cohesive and that it's, you know, nothing feels like I, w- I would have never guessed. Like I thought it would be one director to the whole thing. So, I mean, that means good communication, not just from like director to director, but from the casting to the director, from, you know, the writers, all of that. Like they really captured like the tone of each episode. You know, sometimes it had to be a little darker. Sometimes it was much more lighthearted. But I never like I never noticed like the director didn't put himself too much into directing like he shot and made it what it was meant to be like whoever was directing and that was that and they didn't you know go over the top with shots didn't like it's high school i mean it's not supposed to be super artsy or you know blow your mind with its cinematography it is high school it's got to be you know like the show blunt and realistic and i think they did a good job at that yeah, it was directed by Kate Heron, who did four episodes, and Ben Taylor, who did the other four. So they do yeah. match up very well in terms of their styles. You know, like I feel I like it's a cohesive look. Hmm? I see who did what. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kate Heron. Like I feel like one of them did the first four, the other did the last four. Yeah, it's true. In fact, yeah, because yeah. five, six, seven, and eight were done by Kate. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, I mean, like you can't tell like a lot, but. There is a difference between the first four and the last four, but rightfully so. I mean, it changes quite a bit. All right. So what do you think the grade for sex education should be in terms of the directing? Uh, I gave it an 88. Yeah, I thought it was good and they did what they needed to do. Okay. I actually gave it an 88 as well. Oh, wow. So (laughs) That's funny. That worked out pretty well for us. (laughs) Don't have to calculate that one. We can tell what the directing rate is between both of us. 
That's right. Uh, all right. So what do you think about the pacing for this show in terms of like the way that the story unfolded and, you know, the different storylines and plot threads kind of came together, not just throughout the entire season, which definitely you have to look at that, but um, also on the smaller scale in terms of like the way the episodes um, kind of were structured and the plot lines and everything. So on the small scale and the large scale. Did you feel like the did, did the episodes feel too short? Did they feel too long to you? Do you feel like they were just perfect? I mean, I feel like they were just perfect, but I would never argue with making them longer. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you're, you're greedy, right? Yeah, pretty much. I'll just take whatever they give me. I'd be happy. But yeah, I mean, I think they're really well paced and the whole each episode is, you know, they must have storyboarded it really well. They knew what they were doing from frame to frame. The pacing's good. You know, everything has a nice flow to it. Maybe only like once or twice did I feel like it was dragging, but it was like intentional because it was just like the way the story was going. You have to have a couple of these moments, but that was it. Everything else was just fluid. Okay. All right. So uh, what is your grade for pacing? Uh, 90. 90. Okay. Yes. Uh, look, I agree. Yeah. I think overall it's it's very well done. It's very well paced. Um, it's it's eight episodes, so I think it's the perfect amount necessary to tell the story. They didn't go too long. Other shows would have taken ten or thirteen episodes, and then it would have been stretched out. I think too thin. Ten maybe could have worked, but thirteen, given the story they were trying to tell, I don't think that would have worked. I think it would have been many or too many episodes. Not. Um, you know, not enough material to kind of stretch out that far. So two more would be comfortable. They don't okay. I think they could have found a way to do it. Yeah, but agreed. Uh, I gave it an eighty-six. Yeah, that's accurate too. So, I mean, like, hey, overall, it's really good. So, um, and what would be uh, what would be your rewatchability score for this show? I think you've been asking uh, this is like stupid. I put a hundred. That I, I figured you would put. 100. I don't think I've ever put a hundred, but it gets a hundred because I will watch the crap out of this over and over again. It's fantastic. If it makes you feel any better, last week you were see somebody broke that before you did. Um, Mike gave Alita a hundred for rewatching. Really? Yep. He love love loves that movie. Hardcore <laughs> loves that movie. Um, I have to go see it. Yeah, it's it's definitely good. I recommend it highly. So, what did Brayton? He was he as like over the moon with it too because he was really into the um it was comics. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we watched the anime back in uh, the late nineties. So oh, okay. Um, yeah, he liked it. not as much as Mike did, but he definitely was was pretty high on it. So. Okay. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I thought I was probably the the least into it, but even then, I still gave it a great grade. Okay, I guess I have to actually go to the theater and watch it, along with Captain Marvel soon. I think that's not this weekend, but next weekend, right? Yeah. Oh my, things are coming out. Uh, I gave it a ninety-five for rewatchability. So yeah, <laughs> I think it definitely deserves that. So yeah, it's definitely a good yeah, and in Marvel, Captain Marvel. So. Like, um, even after talking about this, I just want to go back and watch it. Go back. Uh, oh, and, and 
watch Sex Education. Sex education. Yeah, just probably after going. this, I'm probably going to eat dinner and watch it again. <laughs> because you just are, or you're addicted. It's like it's like Stranger Things. Oh yeah, you know it's adult Stranger Things. Well, yeah, I mean at this point, hey, we're we're entering that kind of territory here before long. Oh, I know it's going to be very weird because they've waited a long time from season two to season three. They're going to be teenagers. It's going to oh, be very strange. Yeah, they're going to be like. Like fifteen, sixteen years old kind of teenagers. No, they're not going to be cute kids anymore. They're going to be angsty teens. Oh no! What are you going to do? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um. Yeah. So, all right. Give me your before we wrap this up here, and I, I give out the scores. Uh, do you have any predictions for season two? Oh God, <laughs> not prepared. Well, you're gonna um, have to be prepared now. <laughs> right now, I gotta come off the fly. Um, I predict that it's going to be, you know, Otis and Maeve are still going to have their friendship. And of course, there's still going to be the sex clinic. But I think uh, Eric's going to come out as a bit more of a dominant character next season. Because, I mean, this, this season ended with him, you know, really coming to terms with sexuality. You know, he, you know, he was always openly gay, but he wanted to dress a certain way. But his father never really wanted that. Now he's, you know, comfortable enough, defiant enough to do that. And his father finally accepts him for uh, everything he is and the extra that he is. And uh, so I think he's going to be a little more of a dominant factor in season two and get to see his relationships develop. And hopefully that means Adam will come back and we'll get to see, hopefully Adam come out of the closet too. So I just feel so bad for Adam. Yeah. I want something to change around his life. Um, I feel like Amy kind of was like just this cut down the middle presence for season one and might get something more like, I don't know if we maybe she'll just get pushed to the side in season two. We might get more of her, but, uh, I still don't think even in season two that Maven Otis will be a thing. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but I still don't think it'll happen. Well, I think the smartest thing would be to hold off on that as, as much as you exactly. can. Exactly. At least until season three. But do it in a believable way. That's the only thing that I want. Like, If you're going to keep them apart, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But at least do it in such a way that you believe it. Exactly. Right. I don't want it to feel contrived. Like, we've got to keep them apart, so let's just find the most contrived way of keeping them uh, from being together. But if you can find some organic way uh, that they can't be together. Um, I'm going to bring up a show, and people can laugh at me for it. And that's completely fine. I I have no I have no problem with it. Uh, but there's a show that came back came on the or was on the WD WB back in because WB doesn't exist anymore. But um, <laughs> if you go back to the early two thousands, there was a show called Everwood, and uh, by the way, that's where Chris Pratt got his start. Thank you very uh, much. Yes. I was watching Chris Pratt before all you guys were. I knew who he was. I was a huge fan way back when. Ha. Deal with yeah, it. well, you probably got us beat too. Some of us weren't old enough to watch everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those excuses. Um, I remember its existence though. Okay, so so on the show, um, the two main characters, the the kind of the basically the Otis and the Maeve of of Everwood is uh, Ephraim, who's kind of this piano prodigy, and um, Amy, who is. Uh, his Ephraim's father is a doctor, okay, and uh, Amy's father is also a doctor. He's like the small town doctor, 
Whereas Ephraim's doctor is like this big city, like neurosurgeon, like the most famous neurosurgeon in the world kind of thing. So anyway, um, Ephraim and Amy, you know, uh, there's like this attraction early on in season one. But Amy's boyfriend has been in a coma for the last like five months or something. He got into a car accident. And so season one kind of has to deal with that. and, And then, you know, some things happen. And then season two rolls around. So there's things that keep them apart. And then season two comes around and there's more things that keep them apart, at least for, I believe, a while. And then, um, you know, they get together and then they break up. And one of the best things the show did in its run was instead of doing the whole, they get back together, they break up, they get back together. Ross Rachel thing. Right. Um, That doesn't happen in this show. It doesn't. And they, it lasted for four seasons but it felt like their relationship was done in such an organic way. I never felt like the show was trying to find reasons to keep them apart. It felt like anything that came up, anything that kept them from being together, it felt like it was something that made sense for the storytelling and for the characters. And that's all I want for this show. I just If they're going to be kept apart, fine. Let's just make sure that it's done in a way which works for the story, but also works for the characters. So it doesn't feel like just let's put a roadblock up for the sake of putting a roadblock up. Yeah, exactly. It has to be you know, right for the story. Okay. I totally agree. Yeah. All right. So uh, you want to know the grades? I'm sure they're in the nineties. Okay. So our overall grade for the script is 93. Yeah. That sounds quite right. 96 for the acting. 88 for the uh, directing, 88 for the pacing. Uh, we don't factor in the rewatchability, but it's, it will be a 97 <laughs> for the rewatchability. So Basically, we're telling you, you need to see this. If you haven't already, I don't know why you're listening, but you need to see this. You need to tell everybody else to see it as well. That's right. So um, my overall grade was a 90. Your overall grade was a 92. So the freaking geek score is a 91 for season one of Sex Education. It's a pretty good score. That's a pretty good score. You're over, <laughs> you're, when you're over a 90, you're, you're in good company. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right. Looks like that's it for the episode. So, yeah. Um, next week, we'll be reviewing something different. And then the week after, we'll be doing, um, uh, we'll be doing Captain Marvel. Yes, very exciting. Brie Larson. <laughs> I hey, know you've been waiting. Yes, I have been waiting. And yes, I have a lot of faith that this movie is going to rock. And Despite Raker's negativity. Well, well, we'll see about that. Hopefully, he'll be eating He'll be eating crow. Is what I'm he'll probably still be like just pretending he hates it just to get a rise out of you. Yeah, probably. It's okay. It's all right. It's fine. I'll deal with it. Uh... <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye, geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. 
Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. 